Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Well, then I guess there's only one thing left to do. What's that? Win the whole fucking thing. Yeah. Yes! Hey guys, it's another episode of the Believe in Padres Prospects Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. San Diego's number one sports podcast network. This is episode 59, going a little earlier in the week than we have been lately, and that's obviously because a shit ton of trades just happened. Some new additions to the fam. Nice. Uh, <laughs> so what the, what the hell happened? Like, we had one trade... Um, on Saturday, and then all of a sudden the floodgates were open and Preller went full Preller. I thought you never – you're not supposed to go full Preller. He did. He went full Preller, and overall I'm pretty ecstatic. I've heard uh, with re- regards to going full Preller that like, oh, he, he did this before in 2015. Um, it didn't work. Like he's doing it again. We'll, we'll see this time. Like it's it's a very different full Prellering. It's not like – what he did last time. The, the the farm system is still full, basically full. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah. He pretty much just cut the fat. He didn't really get rid of any of the bulk. Trim, I like or, a little, I like a little bit of fat with my steak, you gotta, okay. but he trimmed some of the fat. Right. He, uh, didn't add, you know, like at the time, Kemp and Upton and Kimbrell were monster additions and he didn't add those types of players. Although in the, on the pitching side, he absolutely did. He added one of the best pitchers in baseball, um, Mike Clevenger, but today is going to be all about trades. There's nothing else to discuss, really. Um, we're recording this uh, two two part recording, so we're we're going to get their first look at the um, Nola and Moreland uh, in Colorado for the last game of the series, and then Clevenger we heard is going to pitch. What is it, Wednesday? I think Thursday or Friday now oh, is what Tingler said. Okay, so looking forward to that. Anyway, let's just get right into this. Did somebody say playoffs? The NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. I don't have a. It tells me to uh, add a story <laughs> on the, my latest bet. I haven't bet in a while, <laughs> but uh, I just took Miami plus five. They're but maybe uh, throw some money on the Potters to win the World Series now. No, I think you missed your chance. It's a little too late now. Yeah, you had to, you had to read. The There's way. no value. Read the tea leaves before the, the trade deadline. So take full advantage of sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I never heard of half of these guys, and the ones I do know are way past the prime. Most of these guys never had a prime. This guy here is dead. What was the tweet that you uh, posted in our Pottery's group chat about? Uh, it was Wilcox and Weathers. We're like, where did everybody go? <laughs> like, yeah, at, U- at the USD alternate site. It was site. the uh, like uh, Will Smith, like oh, yeah. nobody loves me gif. That's a good gif where he's at, he's in the, the Bel Air house alone when they move out. One of the saddest episodes of all time on any TV show ever. The last one? 
What isn't? Oh, it's not. I oh, think it's the last one. I'm thinking yeah. of the one where like how come his dad doesn't love him? No, that's not the. <laughs> that's the not that. Will game. Smith dad leaving. That that's a brutal episode. Yeah. Um, I don't remember how Fresh Prince ends. I don't either. No. I'm a big fan of the show. I'm not sure it holds up. I tried to rewatch it a few weeks ago. It wasn't going that great. Uh, anyway, first deal. I'm going to run down what happened really quickly in case I don't know one of them you missed one somehow. Someone's living under a rock. Yeah, you know, I when all these trades came in, I felt like I was drunk. Like it came in so quickly, it's just one after the other. It's like boom, I'm in, I'm a boxer in the ring, just getting hit left and right, and like where where am I? Where's my corner? That's how I felt. So the first one, kind of a big one. I thought we were we were hanging out at your brother's place on Saturday. Trevor Rosenthal for Edward Olivares and a player to be named later. I don't think they've announced a player to be named later yet, have they? I do not believe they have. I don't think now. they did. But that I thought that was kind of a a bombshell. We expected some bullpen addition. Trevor Rosenthal's name was floated out a little bit, but that was the first big one. I didn't expect Olivares to be involved in that kind of deal. Then it was Hudson Potts and Jason Rosario for Mitch Moreland. Your call. You're welcome. Nailed it. Although you did, if we check the tape, want the Pilar one. I don't think than... we're uh, Pilar. I think you made him a Hispanic <laughs> woman. Uh, I don't think uh, we need to check the tape on that. Okay. So got Mitch Moreland. That's my guy. Then the backbreaker. Here's here's the haymaker that came in when you weren't looking. You were dazed. It's Andres Munoz, Luis Torrens, Taylor Chamel, Ty France Ugh. for Austin Adams, Austin Nola, and Dan Altavia. So two bullpen arms uh, we're going to talk about a little later. And two arms that I'm really not that excited about. Like Austin Adams is supposed to have this kind of hidden potential. He had ACL surgery. Uh, earlier and is not going to be with the team right now, I don't think. But uh, he's supposed to have these, you know, peripherals that maybe the Padres can can potentially maximize his potential. Dan Altavia gave up the walk off three run homer in Petco to Will Myers the other day, so that's what Padre fans remember him for. I remember both of these guys for not knowing who they are. That's these are the most generic bullpen arms. Like if you're picking out of a hat, it'd be these two guys. A lot of Austins on the team, not as many as there used to be. True. And then uh, Austin Nola. So Austin Nola is the, the big piece returning there. Uh, Taylor Trammell, kind of the big piece going out. The rest of the pieces are kind of uh, periphery, periphery pieces. What's the word I'm saying here? Uh, pieces, like not, you know, not core pieces. They're kind of the fat, as we were talking about earlier. This is the fat that's being trimmed. And then Taylor Trammell is the big one that hurts. But Nola having a really strong season. Uh, if you're If you want an offensive-minded catcher in 2020 – it kind of starts with Austin Nola. If you're if you're going to skip the JT Real Muto route or Yasmani Grandal has kind of had a slow start, it's a short season and Nola's been towards the top of all these you know metrics for offensive catchers. But, yeah, and the one nice thing about him is he's not just a catcher. He can play other positions for you too, kind of like Austin Barnes. Oh, yeah, you're going that route. Yeah, so. another Austin, keeping up with the Austins. So many Austins. Uh, imagine if we kept Austin Allen too. We'd have, there's Four catchers named Austin. Too many Austins in the league. <laughs> Let's get rid of so many Austins. <laughs> but yeah, he grew, he came up as a shortstop with the uh, – or infielder, I guess. Maybe a little bit shortstop with the Marlins and couldn't really find his place uh, with them. Went over to Seattle. Uh, they had him up last year for the first time. And he's a late bloomer. He's already 30, which is kind of why I didn't understand the push to make this kind of move. A 30-year-old late blooming catcher, yeah, he's under a lot of control. But is he going to be a valuable piece in three years? I'd say highly unlikely. And then losing Taylor Trammell. We'll talk about it, it later, but 
Um, we're also going to be bringing in uh, one of our two guests today later in the show, Wade. Ryan Divish, uh, Mariners beat writer for the Seattle Times. And then we're also going to bring in Paul Hoynes from uh, a beat writer for the Cleveland Indians. So we're going to talk about them. We're you haven't to discussed them those two trades yet. Well, we just talked about one of them. Okay. And then we're going to get to the Cleveland one. Let's do the Cleveland one right now. So Cleveland was the really big one today. That was uh, – where is it? Do I have it written down here? Yeah, there it is. Strapping it on. It was a big one. Austin Hedges, Cal Quantrill, Josh Naylor, Gabriel Arias, Joey Cantillo. Hawaiian Punch. And Owen Miller. So lots of you know fan favorites, lots of podcast favorites here. For Mike Clevenger, ace of the – the Indian staff. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Greg Allen and a player to be named later. So Greg, Greg Allen, SDSU alum. Was he really? Hilltop high. Okay. Good. For South him. Bay represent. So sent out one Aztec, France, got another one back. Allen. Um, Allen's a, a former sixth round pick. He, he's already 27. He, he doesn't have a lot left. I think handsome Greg, as the people call him. Some people, I don't, I've never heard that. <laughs> but yeah, I suppose he's handsome. I've never really gotten a good look at him. I guess he's, I just kind of see him being a, you know, depth piece in the outfield. There's not, there's not much with Greg Allen right now, honestly. But we'll talk about them more in depth later. We'll get some starts in left. But we got no one else to play left. I mean, it's not like Profar and Mateo are running away with it. And then one last, well, Padres Twitter was on fire literally after the the morning of this uh, this trade with Clevenger. Preller snuck in another deal under the wire, getting another Mariners reliever with like where we we were dealing with the Mariners. Got a trade done, and then Preller calls back later. Oh, we, we'd like one more, actually. Taylor Williams, four player to be named later. And who, according to Dennis Lynn, we're already reporting that it's Matt Brash, a 2019 fourth-round pick. He's 22 years old. Taylor Williams, best known for hitting hedges with two outs in the ninth. Did he? Yes. Him and Altavia. The two pitchers. Yeah, those that, two guys. The two pitchers in that inning. So Preller was watching those games and was thinking to himself – I got to get those guys, <laughs> those guys. I need them. Yeah. So, I mean, you look at it and Austin Nola had a great game that game. I think he had like two or three hits. So he's like, Oh, I want that guy. I was messaging you guys. Like every time Nola got a hit kind of talking shit, just cause I, me and Austin play in this dynasty league and I just picked him up as my catcher like the week before. So I was kind of trying to get a rise out of Austin, our friend, Austin, not Austin Nola or Austin Barnes. There's too many Austins or again. Austin Allen or Austin Hedges. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot going on. 26 players across six deals are trading uniforms. It's going to be weird. And all after all that, I feel like uh, quoting Ryan Rossillo, I need I need to get hosed down right now. Like I was I was hot with one of these trades. Really upset when I first heard it. I'll let you speculate on which one. Do you have an idea? I think I know which one. Yeah, the Austin Nola trade. Uh, really hot about that one. And then the Clevenger one came in, and it's the. Dumb and Dumber line, totally redeemed yourself trade from Preller. Like that across the league, I've seen some people say that um, that's a lot of pieces back in that deal for Clevenger. But I didn't really get why Clevenger was on the move anyway. Like we know Cleveland, this is what Cleveland likes to do. They like to trade their controllable talent before it's time to pay them. But it seemed like they had soured on Clevenger. And we're going to talk to Paul Hoynes. Uh, the, the beat writer for the Indians about this, but did management really sour over him that much because of the COVID because scandal? of the COVID thing? And I don't know. I, th- I feel like a guy is allowed to 
make a mistake like that once in a while. Maybe there's more things that we haven't heard about. It was a dumb thing to do to to go out with Zach Plesak and it would think it was in the Chicago area if that was the same night they were doing stuff and breaking quarantine. That was dumb. And early in the season, I could see players maybe not treating it as seriously as they are treating it now. And I'm not going to hold it against him that he made a mistake. And he seems like he's embraced the change. He's really excited to be in San Diego, obviously, and get a fresh start with some new teammates. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, probably see him out at uh, some OB or PB bars. Hopefully not. Hopefully not soon. They're just opening, aren't they? They opened uh, yesterday. Yikes. We'll talk about that. Anyway. <laughs> so here's a rundown again of everybody that was traded. So according to Fangraphs prospect rankings, Tremel number five, Potts number eleven, Cantillo number twelve, Aria sixteen, Munoz eighteen, Rosario twenty, Miller twenty five, Oliveira's twenty nine. I mean, the, the, those would have changed. Like if you if they did a midseason update, like Oliveira's would have cracked top fifteen, the way he performed in spring training. Uh, Ray is at 39 and then Torrens, France, Hedges, Quantrill and Naylor. So that's the list of everybody that's gone. Pretty so, wild. Sorry, Canada. Uh, it's a Quantrill thing. And Naylor. and Naylor. Yeah. No more Canadians on the squad. We got way less Canadian today. Yeah. Poor one out. Um, but anyway, the only according to Fangrass and even, you know, if you're going to bump all of ours up, I probably have a live prospect ranking of all of ours around 15. Uh, everybody else seems pretty good. Arias, I think, deserves top 10 consideration as a prospect. Everybody else. He was – I mean he was stuck behind Tatis though. Like he has no position. Well, he couldn't – He people were thinking third base for him too. There's nowhere for him to play. Right. So the only real top 10 prospect they traded was Taylor Trammell. And I think Preller – I think Preller honestly fell too much in love with Austin Nola in those two relievers who we'll talk about again later. But – to trade Trammell, the th- here's the thing with Trammell. So they last year, they traded Franmil Reyes essentially straight up for Taylor Trammell. And it was a kind of a sell high for Franmil Reyes. Was that even a sell high? He was having a fairly good year. DH only guy, didn't have a place here at the time. And they made a move for Taylor Trammell, who's, who was coming off of kind of a bad season uh, in Cleveland. It was Cleveland, right? It was clear. Yeah, because he was on the Reds too, and it, um, both teams wear red, so it's kind of confusing in my brain, if that makes sense. Or no, it was the Reds. Was it the Reds? I don't know. Well, <laughs> well, he was on the squad. Look, can you look that up real quick? Yeah. It was the Reds. Okay, good. So, uh, yeah, and because it was a three-team trade, it's also confusing because Fran Mill went to Cleveland, and then we got Taylor Trammell from the Reds. Right. Was he drafted by Cleveland? He was. Okay, there we no. go. No. The Reds. He was drafted by the Reds. He's only been on the Reds, Padres, and now Mariners. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah, so confusing. That that confused the hell out of me. So we traded Framel Reyes for Taylor Trammell. And Taylor Trammell, people had to kind of talk themselves into it first because he had a bad year, but the tools were still there. Uh, the prospect community was still really high on him as a, as a, a patient hitter that had 20-20 upside that could play a good left field. He's only 22. I think, I think he still has a bright future. That, By the way, that Mariners outfield, that future outfield, is going to be Taylor Trammell, Jared Kalenic, and Julio Rodriguez. It's a pretty that's dope a outfield. really good outfield. Yeah. Uh, maybe they put Rodriguez at DH eventually, but for now, that's... Not a lot of balls dropping. In that that outfield. outfield is nasty. Uh, the problem with that trade is now it's Fran Reyes for 
you know, I mean, for Austin Nola. And there's all these other little pieces that I'm surprised teams are willing to take still because it kind of just seems like our leftovers, honestly. You you have to dislike one of these trades. You either have to – there's not a world where they both make sense, I don't think. I think you either have to hate the trade of Framo Reyes for Taylor Trammell or you have to hate the trade that sends Trammell to Seattle selling low on him when I thought he bounced back really nicely last year with the Saw Poodles. Uh, to bring in Austin Nola, who's a breakout 30-year-old catcher. So that's that was the problem I had when this trade first happened. The two relievers, we've heard some things about that are positives. There's obviously positives with Austin Nola uh, in the statistical department this year. He's you know, one of the top catchers in baseball offensively. Um, and not a nothing on defense either. They, they kind of grade him out as a round average. So if Austin Nola can give you two, three years of good production at catcher, Great, but I mean, I guess Preller just decided there was no room for Taylor Trammell. These these are all his moves too. So like you went and got Tommy Pham, you're getting um, you're keeping Will Myers, I guess for now, and there there's not a lot of room for Taylor Trammell. But Taylor Trammell's still young, like you said. There's there's kind of no rush to move him, and maybe he's the he's the worst prospect we could have afforded. the The best prospect that we were willing to trade for Austin Nola and Seattle needed something good for Austin Nola. But I think you either, you're either against that initial trade that got us Trailer Trammell and sent away Fran Reyes, or you're, you're against this one that brings you a catcher to seemingly, um, you know, reclamation project bullpen pieces that haven't put up any numbers yet, but you think might be in Austin. Uh, the what's the, what's the Austin's name? There's so many names run around. Austin Adams seems like he has the most potential and he has a lot of, club control left after this season. It just seemed like Taylor Trammell, if he's the best player we're losing at the deadline and we got all this other stuff, we got a catcher, we got a DH, we've got a starting pitcher, an ace staff leader, then I guess that's okay. If Taylor Trammell is what you had to lose. You kept Camposano, you kept Gore, you kept Patino. Kept you, kept, Adams. you kept Hassel. You know, there's a... I think that's fine. Right. We didn't lose much and got a lot. It's yeah. You're we're spoiled with this Clevenger deal. Looking at it in hindsight. Now the Clevenger deal seems like it was awesome. Everybody seems really happy with this Clevenger deal and then not as happy with the Austin Nola deal. And there's also the, the, the group of Padres Twitter, which seems to get bolder every day. They're the smart ones, you know, like, Oh, we shouldn't hoard our prospects. Uh, You, you accumulate prospects so you can trade them. Yeah, and we did it. I think we just did a great job with that, selling off on all these guys that we really didn't need. So like Owen Miller, Andres Munoz, Gabriel Arias, Potts, and Cantillo. Like, and the good thing is most of these trades aren't just win now. Most of them are in control for more years. So Clevenger, we've got locked up for a couple more right, years. It's building for the future. It's not just win only this sixty game season. Nola, so yeah. If you look at it that way, I think we came out very well in all of this. Came out roses. Uh, I'm a little, so the ones that I'm sad to see leave, obviously Trammell. And then I kind of thought Quantrill had really good fifth starter potential. I'm a little sad he didn't get the chance with us. I think he's going to be pretty good when he lands on his feet in uh, Cleveland. They're going to give him a chance in the rotation, I'm sure. Trammell and then Hedges, I'm sad to see leave. Really? Yeah. You've been so anti-Hedges. You're sad to see Hedges leave. I'm sad to see him leave now that it's not all on him. Like, okay, if Mejia was having a great year, but happy you, to see him go. Right? Would you mind if Hedges was <laughs> doing what Hedges is doing? If Mejia was doing what we thought he would do? 
If he just came in and was like the closing catcher? Yeah, if Mejia had 60% of the duty and was having a decent year on offense and Hedges was our, you know, closing catcher and, and caught twice a week, like you'd be fine with that. I guess. And so now it's Austin Nola. Um, oh, I didn't, did we even get through all the trades? We didn't. Her- Geraldo Reyes for Jason Castro. So that's with the Angels. J- uh, Jason Castro is supposed to be a catcher first, uh, a, a glove first catcher. So now it's Nola and Castro. I would have just preferred Hedges and Nola and just get rid of this Castro deal and kept Hedges. But maybe Seattle needed Hedges. Maybe it was Preller wanting to put Hedges in a deal. Um, I mean, uh, Cleveland, sorry. Hedges is going to Cleveland. Lots going on, as you can imagine. I'm looking right. at, I'm looking at this. And you never know what the behind-the-scenes talks were like. I'm sure the Indians maybe were like, Hedges needs to be in this deal or else it's not happening. I doubt that very much. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 I like I the mean, idea. I mean, him framing their pitching staff, their very good pitching staff. They need it. They're not as good as it used to be. True. No Clevenger. So I, I kind of liked the idea of keeping Hedges and Myers around as the two guys that have been with the team the longest that have been through so much shit, you know, on the worst teams yeah. ever. And then now it's just Will. They were having so much fun this year. It was they're, they're finally on a winning team. And then, you know, this is the, this is the heart side of baseball, the, the side where you're thinking with your heart and not your brain so much. It kind of sucks. Um, like, oh, they're finally good. And, oh, you're on your way out, by the way. Yeah. See ya. It, it kind of sucks, but he was, he's having his worst offensive season ever. He gets worse on offense every year. Hedges. Good bunter though. He regressed defensively in the short season so far, which if that's the only thing you're doing well, and we're in a short season and you get off to the start that he got defensively, not a great sign. So I, I I'm, I'm, it is, it's sad to see him go. I'm glad Myers is sticking around. Uh, Hedges is a was essentially a, a pitcher batting whenever they tried to start him. So now it's Castro. Now it's uh, Nola. So those are your catchers going forward. Are you at all concerned about the clubhouse dynamic now that there are literally like seven new guys? In I the, don't think so. I don't clubhouse? think any of the guys that we let go were major clubhouse guys. I mean, you'd even see on like the dancing celebrations, like Hedges wasn't really in it. He had that super awkward dance with uh Crone dog He's yesterday. White, they're, they're white guys. You know, what, what are you going to do? Uh, awkward, awkward dancing. That's kind of what white guys do. I mean, we're white. We can say that. <laughs> I wouldn't put that in. The oh, way. it's in. <laughs> so I, where were we going with that? I, the, the clubhouse. So I, I think when you, when just seven new faces are there, it's kind of, it kind of messes with the vibe a little bit. Cause now dynamics have changed. I think that matters. It's not, we're not playing with a video game team. And I don't know if Preller considered this at all when he's making all these trades. By far the most trades in the league were the Padres this week. Not even close. It's not. Yeah, I don't know if another team did more than one. And Preller did six. So that I think that matters in a clubhouse. You're not getting the core guys. Like you said, two guys are in the lineup today that were not there yesterday. It's Nola and it's Moreland. Great. I don't know if... Um, you look at starters, though, and really it was just Hedges and Naylor is really all that we left... From being in the dugout. True. Yeah. I think Moreland's going to retain most of this DH duty now. Right. And against lefties, I'm not sure what they're going to do because I don't think Moreland, I think they're going to play Moreland against some lefties. I don't think he's going to be against all lefties and I don't think it's going to be just a strict platoon either. So they're going to find a middle ground somewhere. 
I do like Moreland a lot in a small sample size. I know he hasn't done a ton uh, in a full, like a full season, 500 at bats. That's not, that's not really who he is. He's a guy that you give 300 at bats, you play his matchups, right. And he's going to hit you 15 home runs, which is essentially a 30 homer pace, but you're maximizing his at bats. Kind of like what they should have done with Renfro two years ago when Renfro was mashing lefties and you wanted to, Oh, he's playing well now. Let's give him more at bats. Well, no, Renfro is kind of the guy that you just want getting minimal at bats against his best matchups. Right. So I see Moreland as that from the left side. Which we needed. Yeah. I wanted to do a little grade the trade with you. So the first trade, the Mariners, Austin Nola deal, Tramel's leaving. We're going to get into that in a sec with uh, Ryan Divish. But what did you think of the trade overall, grade the trade? Right at first, I didn't like it um, just because, you know, Taylor's always been my boy. Always. Um, For about 40 weeks. Can count the weeks. I mean, check the tape. Yeah. Okay. But you do look at it and we had zero production offensively from the catching position. And if this all does work out and we actually get a catcher that can hit 250 even, I think it's a good trade. Nola's expecting batting average right now. So it's not like he's getting lucky. His expected batting average is 93rd percentile. So he's having a really good season. It's It has to do with his on base and his slugging and his exit velos and launch angle and his exp- all of that together. Um He's up there in, in weighted on base. He's up there in barrel percentages. And I don't know where this really came from, but he's good now. So I guess you ride that wave and hope it continues. I really hope he sticks around and is good. But I wanted to give it an F as well. I think I'm going to settle in at a C- minus after officially calming down after the news of that trade. At Taylor Trammell, again, if he's the best piece we had to give up across all these different deals, then... You can live with it, I guess. But in this individual trade, when before we knew we were getting Clevenger, it seemed like an F on paper because I didn't think we needed the bullpen help. I didn't think we needed that many, you know, catcher Castro and Nola happened simultaneously. I wanted to give it an F, but I'll give it a C minus. So not the worst deal. Next trade, Mitch Moreland. We were just talking about him. I really like Moreland. Uh, when Fam comes back, Fam's on the team next year too. That's a that's a perfect DH scenario if the dh is still around i'm 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 thinking it is i I think teams are acting like it is and i think the players want it i think the teams all want it i think they just want it okay so next year fam part-time left fielder part-time dh moreland covers most of the dh duties moreland is on a one-year rental though true but why not resign him i mean when they win the whole thing he'll probably want to stay yeah, we'll see. Uh, just lost Potts and Jason Rosario in that deal. I'll give it. I'll give it a B. I like. I think. I don't know. If, I don't think Potts was a long term option really anywhere. He's a, he's a third baseman. I think he'd probably play second and first, but was a prim- primarily a third baseman. Strikes out a ton. Um, kind of made a lot of noise as a prospect a couple years ago when he he jumped out and hit twenty home runs, and I think it was his first season of pro ball. Strike strikes out too much for me. Isn't a reliable bat. Um, on base guy. I, I don't love Hudson Potts. I think he's a perfect trade candidate. Jason Rosario, super athletic guy, super young, struggled in his first taste of high A. He's already he's always been really young for the level. So I think there's still some something some things to like with Jason Rosario. And I think the the Red Sox are, you know, taking taking a big swing when they're going after Jason Rosario. Rosario is a high risk prospect. 
and most likely he's not going to do anything, but it's the type of guy you should go get in a deal like this if you're the Red Sox. So I'll give that, I'll give that trade a B. Trevor Rosenthal, he was the first deal. Used to be a lights out closer with the Cardinals. So a few years ago, if that's how you remember him, he was a stud closer with the Cardinals. Then kind of fell apart. Uh, was supposed to transition to a starter eventually, I thought, and it, it never really worked out for him. He ended up moving around to a different couple of places. Last year, he could not find a team. He had 12 games with the Nationals, walked 35% of batters he faced and got, got released. Same issues with Detroit. Strikes out a lot of guys and then walks a lot of guys. And so he signed an incentive-laden deal with the Royals. That's usually what the Padres do, man. So like we're, we're on the other side of this one. The Royals picked up a, a reliever off the scrap heap, turned him into some pretty good value, and then traded him to another team who needed a, a bullpen arm. I mean, the Padres are usually not good. That's why we do this. And now we're seeing it on the other side. I thought it was a huge overpay for Trevor Rosenthal. I don't think we needed another reliever. We talked on the show last week about how I thought the bullpen bringing in, you know, the young guys like Patino and possibly Gore and then Michelle Baez, it's going to supplement the bullpen just fine. And the Pomeranz is healthy now. I don't really know why we needed to address the bullpen this much. So they got Rosenthal and then, then they added like four more relievers. So that was really confusing to me. I don't know why we needed that many relievers. And it was weird seeing this um, buy high on a, on a closer for the Royals. I don't think he, I don't think he should close for the Padres, but I thought it was a weird buy high for them. Um, and then giving up on Edward Olivares, who they were so high on like three weeks ago. And I, I get that he doesn't fit in the plans and he hasn't really performed well, but it's the guy's first day's taste of, of pro of uh, the major leagues. So we're, you're done with them after, after that, like that, that's it. That's the leash you get is Edward Olivares. Everybody was his biggest fan a month ago. So I, I thought that was, Selling low on him, selling, buying high on Trevor Rosenthal. And then to me, that's an F of a trade. Wait. I, I hope you're wrong on that one. I I think that we did need bullpen pieces. Um, and this was kind of before we went and got five other guys. Yeah, it's um, the first one. So if this was even just the only trade that Preller did, I don't think you would have been giving it an F. Maybe. Uh, that's possible. I think there's a little recency bias on your side there. Too. Sure. He's, he's fixed his walk rate this year. He's down to 12%. The strikeout rate is still way up and his FIP is about career average for him. So if he's, I don't mind sliding him into like that seventh, eighth inning role, although he's performed as well as a closer this year and the Padres don't have a closer unless, I mean, it's not like Pomerantz has just run away. Pomerantz has been great, but it's not like he was the incumbent closer. He's had like three games to close. Right. So either one closing I'm fine with. I guess, but I think Rosenthal in you know a less dramatic role would be probably better for him. The Jason Castro trade was weird, getting or trading a Gerardo Reyes, who is definitely a guy we did not need. Another bullpen arm, so a lot of bullpen arms leaving, a lot of bullpen arms coming in. Uh, it seemed like did Preller send out two different trades for catchers, and then they both got accepted. I was kind of confused by this too because it was like, oh, this is accepted, but then it. You like didn't hear about it for a while and it's like, oh, it might not be, might not have gone through. Probably was just got the other catcher. He was scrambling to be like, oh, by the I was kidding. Like didn't need, didn't mean to right. send that one. Psych. And then the, the angels, uh, like, no, we want Reyes. No, wait, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to do that deal. Um, Billy Epler in, uh, Anaheim. So Castro potentially makes a nice platoon with Nola. He's left-handed. He's supposed to be glove first catcher. 
Um, he he's not he has not been good offensively lately. His career, um, I don't have the career numbers up, but is it versus lefties? He's hitting one ninety five with a thirty one percent strikeout rate for his career. He potentially makes a really nice platoon for glove catcher. He has since last year he's had minus nine defensive runs saved as a catcher, and and when you contrast that with Hedges, who is plus twenty three. This is a bad year for Hedges, but it's a small sample size. We're going, including 2019, he's at plus 23. That's a big gap between the two guys who are glove-first catchers. That's why I wanted to keep Hedges. Like, if you're going to have a glove-first catcher whose, you know, offensive production is better than Hedges, he's he's been a 320 on-base guy, which makes Hedges, you know, compared to Hedges, he's much better. But still, uh, if you're going to go glove-first, I'd, I'd rather have Hedges and then there's continuity with the pitching staff too. Now we're getting two new catchers to deal with the, the staff. It's just, it seems like a lot to throw in mid season while the Potters are hot Two new catchers. Anyway, we'll see what Nola does tonight. I gave the C to, this grade a C minus. You're giving a lot of terrible grades for these trades. Have you noticed that? Uh, I gave a B plus to, <laughs> to a, or a B for Moreland. So far we have two F's or no, changed I, a C minus, a C minus and a B. It's fine. Clevenger, spoiler, it was an A. Uh, this seemed like quantity for quality. So the Indians were highly motivated to trade Mike Clevenger. Was it just because of the COVID thing? Was it just because they wanted to sell, you know, at his peak value? I, I don't know. It seemed like they didn't get peak value. Uh, I read a short piece from Zach Maisel on uh, The Athletic that said he was interviewing some rival evaluators and one loved the return for the Indians. So I guess it depends. If you're high on a bunch of those guys that the Padres gave up, um, I could see you loving the trade because you got a ton of interesting young players. And, you know, Hedges isn't one of them, but they also got Cal Quantrill, Josh Naylor, uh, Gabriel Arias, Joey Cantillo, and Owen Miller. So those are all top prospects in our system. They're all top all top 30, and then I think a good chunk are top 15 as well. Which would be... Much higher on other teams. The Indians have a very good system too. So they're not even the best system to compare it to. But if you compared it to an average system, yeah, a lot of those guys would be top 10 prospects. So potentially some evaluators saw the no, the number of guys, especially Arias, Cantillo. Um, Naylor is going to get an everyday job now. I think Quantrill is a really good get for them. It's interesting. I think, I think it's very interesting from their point of view. I think they probably should have held out for a top, top prospect for Clevenger. That's who they, they didn't get one in this deal, which is weird. Right. In a system that has like five of those uh, on most teams, that would be a number one prospect. They didn't get one. Right. So that, it kind that, of seemed like in the video games where you're just throwing names in there to like, oh, maybe this will work. Yeah. I'll let offer me, you let 10 me, guys <laughs> for, <laughs> for Trout. Let me just add another player that we don't need, but maybe you'll like. That, I I don't know. We're going to talk to um, the Indians beat reporter a little bit about that too. So we'll see. We'll see what he thought about Clevenger. Maybe there's something we're missing about Clevenger. Buster Olney, Pottery's Twitter favorite, says that we are now the biggest threat to the Dodgers. How does that make Wade feel? Remember I when mean, he said that we shouldn't get Manny? We are the second best team in the National League anyway. Not like he went on the right. So. <laughs> Hot take, Buster. Yeah. <laughs> Padres is now the second team to beat in the NL West. <laughs> Yeah, we know. Uh, Padres sitting in second place, second best team. <laughs> Did he say we shouldn't get Manny? Yeah. I didn't really want Manny either. I'll, I'll be honest. Wow. Now back-to-back NL player of the week. He was a, There's he was been five weeks, three times. You hate, everybody Padres. here hated Manny. Come on. Three three times it's been Padres. 
He's been awesome. But we come on, be real with your happy wife, happy life, be, happy life. It's been Yonder Alonso. Best it's, best acquisition of the year, Yonder Alonso. Yonder Alonso. That's fair. Uh, Potter's a also plus trade on that one. Okay, A plus. The Yonder Alonso trade gets yeah. an A plus. So there's a few A's in there. The other guy we got was Greg Allen. He's kind of I know we talked about him a little earlier. He's athletic corner type in outfielder, plus speed, plus with the glove. You're hoping for an average hit tool. You're probably not going to get it. You're you're getting below average power. And this is kind of what you're going to get from him. He's 27. He he is what he is. I'd rather try Jorge Mateo first or, or give Profar, you know, more chances. Profar is shockingly younger than Craig Allen. Really? Yeah. I always do like the uh, kids coming home, though, the local pieces. Coached by Tony Gwynn. Just sent one away, Wade. Ty France? Yeah. He wasn't – he didn't go to San Diego High School. No, but he's – Craig Allen's true and true San Diegan. Okay. Double dipped in yeah. San Diego. I respect that. So Greg Allen's fine. Uh, I don't expect him to be, you know, impact guy going forward. In the playoffs, you might not see him. Like he might not exist in the playoffs. Anyway, those are all the trades. We gave out some grades. Some were good. Some were bad. Uh, did you have a favorite trade? Do you have a least favorite trade? Favorite trade, easily. All right, not, not Clevenger. What's your favorite trade? Moreland. Moreland. I like I like Moreland too. I think Moreland just fits in real nicely. We didn't have a true DH. Right. And. Now we have a stable DH. We don't have to balance like Naylor and France and Greg Garcia. Greg Garcia should never start at DH again. Like, get out of here. This is a – I like Greg Garcia a lot in his specific role, which right. is not a starting DH. Yeah. So happy with it. Happy that we got, we got Moreland. Um, I'm really happy we got Mike Clevenger. That changes the pitching staff so much. And for the – like – Getting an ace-level pitcher like that, I thought Lance Lynn was more likely. It seems like the price tag for Lynn was way too high. The Dodgers didn't even go get him. and they're, No one got him. They're more frugal than we are, the Dodgers. They're stingy with their prospects. Preller didn't mind letting loose a little bit. And again, like we, the only top 10 prospect, top 8 prospect we traded, Gabriel Arias might be in the top 10, but only Taylor Trammell. And you got Clevenger. You got a, an offensive-minded catcher that's going to run out there every day for you. You got a DH and we got the best pitcher on the staff. Like we didn't just upgrade starting pitching. We got a number one, which is Mike Clevenger for two more years after this year. That's nuts. If when Gore comes up next year, that pitching staff is going to be nasty. Yeah. You let Richards walk. You think? Yeah. Easily. Maybe. Richards, Lamette, Paddock, Gore. Richards stays healthy. Good for him. He'll go get paid next year in the off season and go somewhere else. And then it's Clevenger, Lamette, Paddock, Davies, and then... Gore, Gore I, I, I like Gore Patino option potentially in the bullpen to start the year because they're both still very young, and I wouldn't mind both of them being electric bullpen pieces. Yeah, to start nasty. Yeah, so very excited. All right, we're gonna go back to back interviews. Let's bring in Ryan Divish from uh, the Seattle Times. All right, as promised, we've got Ryan Divish. It is Divish, right? Not Divish. Yes. Okay, Divish, you never yeah. know. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Divish. He's the Mariners beat writer for the Seattle Times. Ryan, it sounds like uh, the Potters and the Mariners have been trade buddies over the last couple of days. So uh, what were your initial thoughts on the, the two trades that happened? Well, when I think I wrote this as my lead was like something like when Trader Jerry and always awake AJ, because AJ Preller doesn't really sleep much, get together, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to do something big. Um, I was... I was kind of, there were bits and pieces that I was surprised um, about, 
And then there were parts that like I kind of went back and thought about it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see why that happened. Um, I specifically like with with the, the the interest in Austin Nola and DePoto said that that um, Jerry DePoto said that AJ had been calling him on Austin Nola since the off season. Well, I, I just remember being at um, the winter meetings and uh, Dave Cameron, uh, who used to write for Fangraphs, is a friend of mine. Known him since you know that he was doing USS Mariner, so we we're just BSing, and he was just kind of asking me questions about Austin Nola, about his makeup and stuff. And he goes, "I think he's really good," and he's like, you know, he'd ask me if I'd seen him catch and all this other stuff, and and so I, I never really put two and two together. And but you know, I'd I'd heard a couple of different people from organizations say, "Hey, we really like Austin Nola," and so then you know, you fast forward to the trade deadline, and he ends up going to San Diego. I was like, "Oh, I see," you know, I mean. And from an analytical standpoint, where where Dave kind of lives, Austin Nola grades out pretty well. So uh, for us in San Diego, Austin Nola hasn't been a huge name until just recently. And you know, I, I pay attention to all the stuff going around baseball with prospects, but Austin Nola has never really been a big time prospect. You know, not no. a, a guy that's at the top of any lists. And so, as a thirty year old guy that just kind of emerges out of nowhere, we all kind of did a double takes like. Yeah, he's doing really well now, but was it worth the package we gave up? Taylor Trammell, we we had really high expectations for him. So you're telling me that, you know, the love for Nola kind of extends back into even last year. And he he did kind of come out a little bit last year, not on a national stage, but there was interest in him going all the way back into the offseason. Yeah, I mean, uh, I talked to with DePoto before the winter meetings and he said that he's not going to believe this. He goes, but, oh, he goes, you wouldn't believe me. I told you this, but we've had 10 to 12 teams calling Austin Nola wow. uh, because they'd, they'd seen guys, guys had seen him catch in, in the triple a level over the last couple of years. He's a converted shortstop. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the shortstop at LSU, I think on their national championship team. Uh, he's a converted uh, shortstop to catching. Uh, the Mariners brought him up last year, just kind of in a roster crunch more than anything. He had been working, you know, he'd been hitting well in Tacoma, but the Mariners were in kind of a roster crunch, some injuries. They brought him up, and he didn't even play in the, you know, he had limited bats the first week, and then they put him in, and he just kind of hit his way into the everyday lineup, and basically kind of became almost their everyday first baseman at times, and, you know, you know, you look at the peripherals, I think, or the, the different analytics, the swing decisions, the, the contact rate within the zone, his understanding of the strike zone. A lot of people believe that then maybe this was a little bit more real than a one-off. And then when he comes into this season, shortened it all, and he hit well in, in spring training, but he comes into this season and starts hitting well. And Tom Murphy, kind of the projected everyday catcher, or they were going to kind of split at halftime, got hurt. And Nola's catching, you know, five times a week. It allowed teams to kind of grade him out, you know, obviously on video and see that his catching was even probably better than I think they anticipated. And that high, that pushed his value up. I mean, like, I think, you know, you have um, his ability to play first base. He can still play third base and he's a catcher. That versatility, that positional versatility, plus the hitting aspect that creates value and you're not paying him anything. You have him club control. I mean, that's kind of why the Mariners liked him is they had him, they're not, they don't have to pay him anything, you know? Um, but again, he's also 30. So, I yeah. mean, I guess if your window is the next two to three years, he projects well. And then I kind of, you know, I talked to some people and I heard the Padres mentioned. So I went and looked at the, the Padres catching numbers. And I was like, yikes. They're not yeah. Sorry. You had pretty- to see those. <laughs> yeah. You didn't, I get a lot of production from that spot. No. Uh, but do you think this was a really good sell high by the Mariners? You got some some nice value. Taylor Chamel still has a ton of value. Or 
are you, you know, a little more on the fence about it? No, I think it was, it was a total sell high. I think the Mariners realized that the the price that that um, the you know the they were never going to get more for Austin Nola, um, even in the offseason, which you usually think you're going to get more for. But kind of given I would the somewhat desperation level of the the Padres in terms of their catching situation and that that Preller was was making moves. Um, yeah, I think they they got a little bit more than expected, you know, and with the number of guys that, that AJ acquired, you know, the 40 man was going to get really interesting for them anyways. It was, you know, a year ago with a lot of this stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't expect them to get Taylor Trammell and I, I don't think DePoto did either. He even said that, um, I don't, you know, I mean, honestly, if they would have got France for a couple guys, I'd have been surprised, you know, um, but it just kind of all worked out. And I, I will say it looked like, you know, I was talking with a couple other guys about this, but all, of all the guys that, that Preller acquired, they aren't all, I don't, I think the only rental is Jason Castro. You know, he got him for all, for a couple of years. I mean, Clevenger, especially is the big one. You get him for two years beyond this. Um, and Moreland, you know, I think goes. too. Sorry. Yeah. I think Moreland's, Moreland's got, yeah. yeah. Moreland's got a $3 million club option, which, you know, he can, he can look at it, whatever, but for the most part, yeah. I mean, Nola and then the, the two relievers they got all have club control. So, um, yeah, I mean, the Mariners, I mean, from a prospect or paper standpoint, um, yeah, I think the Mariners did better than expected. I certainly was surprised to see Taylor Trammell's name in there, mostly because I was at the Future game a couple of years ago when he hit that bomb, and I was like, holy cow, you know. Um, and I know that the numbers haven't progressed, but in talking with some people, the – the stuff he was doing in the Texas League playoffs certainly looked promising, and that you know, I mean, the Mariners were really excited. I, I'm sure that 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 was the kicker and all of that. Do you get? We have a saying in San Diego whenever Preller does something unconventional, which is a lot. That whatever he did, it's just okay. That's Preller being Preller, or you know, just trust Preller. Do you mm-hmm. in Seattle kind of have a thing with Depoto, where Depoto does a lot of strange things too, especially? with trades that kind of come out of nowhere. Do you have that kind of trust with DePoto? What's your feelings about him as, as kind of your GM so far? I mean, like, yeah, I think like DePoto kind of like, that's one thing too, like as a writer and just covering it, DePoto's pretty honest. I mean, like, you know, he won, he's the most reachable guy by a text message or anything, though. I don't always like it when he sends emojis, but, um, <laughs> But, you know, like he comes out and says, look, we need a right-handed starting pitcher and we're going to go on the free agent market and get one. And this is the range we're looking for. And he kind of does it. And, you know, he also is a believer in like nobody's off limits, although I don't think he's looking to trade Jared Kelnick or Julio Rodriguez's two top prospects or Kyle Lewis. You know, he listens to every offer. Um, Yeah, he is creative in that way. He'll 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 think a little bit outside of the box. And he kind of demands his people to do the same. And he also is somebody that likes to kind of jump the market. You know, like he sets the kind of the trade parameters. And like, if you're there, you're there. And if not, he moves on to somebody else. So I think with like with the Taiwan Walker deal uh, that sent him to Toronto, he had kind of a, a feel out there for what he thought Taiwan deserved as a rental. And he set it there. And when the team met it, let's make the move. You know, I don't think he's overly out there trying to fleece people you know jack Sorensic, the former gm that i i covered people would always say that jack always wanted the sweetener 
that you know you'd have a deal in principle agreed and all sent the last minute he goes well we need this too and that scuttled a lot of deals whereas i think jerry is jerry looks at his value for value and your value one team's value might not have the same value meaning as the mariners but that's how he wants to do it the mariners like the padres have kind of been forgotten one of the forgotten teams over the last decade or so is now one of the most exciting times to be a Mariner fan with the the prospects you have coming up through the system? I would think so, though. Like, Mariners fans don't necessarily get that. It's kind of funny. A lot of the ones that complain on Twitter about the product they're watching were the ones two years ago saying, tear this down. This needs to tear it down and start over. I mean, like, you know, it used to be on Twitter, it was fire everyone. Now it's tear it down. You know, they use the Astros or some of these other people, at other teams, Astros, Cubs, some of these teams as examples are, oh, let's tear it down, tear it down and rebuild. What people don't realize is rebuilding is ugly for a while. And it's, you know, it's like, think back when the Padres claimed like nine guys in the Rule 5 draft and then kept most of them. You know what it's like? (laughs) I watched Jabari Blas strike out a lot in Tacoma, you know, and then seeing him up at the big league level. I mean, that's, but that's what rebuilding is, is, is you're not investing in your major league product. And so, a lot of these people don't have patience with it. But I think um, now that you're seeing Kyle Lewis, and another thing about rebuilding is, is your, your your main guys that you get back in that, you don't see at the big league level. They're in the they're out in the sticks playing, you know. And so even with having teams in Tacoma, a team in Tacoma like the, the Mariners' best prospects that they got back in early parts of this rebuild weren't in Tacoma. They were in, you know, Modesto and Little Rock and West Virginia. So um, yeah, I mean, I think at least now we, you see Kyle Lewis out there and Evan White to a lesser extent, Shed Long and, you know, Kelnick will be there next year after they play the service time game. And, mm-hmm. you know, Tramel will be probably in Tacoma next year to start. Like all, those are tangible things that you're seeing now towards this rebuild to where you can kind of point to a timeline. Cause like, a lot of times in these rebuilds, the timeline, you can say it, but it's still pretty abstract because you're talking about players and their developmental process. At least now, like the Mariners can point, Mariners fans could probably point to 2022 and say, okay, yeah, like they should be good by then. Or, you know, especially if they supplement or whatever. And I think, you know, it's sometimes hard for them to see, but I do think that there is an excitement about young kids. And there's also like on Twitter, you've seen an obsession with potential and prospects anyway. So, you know, sometimes I wonder if Mariners fans are more excited about having the number three or four farm system than having a good team, but we'll find out. That's how, that's the the place we've been living in, in San Diego over the last several years, just bragging about the farm team. Eventually these guys will come up and uh, unfortunately a few of them had to get traded away and you got a couple of them. So congrats. And yeah, one of those... that's, and that's I, Jerry DePoto talked about that. Like, yeah. that's one of the reasons, though, why you build your farm system is that way. When you need the finishing piece, when you need the finishing piece to get something, you have guys in there. You know, like, I mean, that, I think that's pretty important. I mean, I, look, AJ is a weird dude. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm, I, I, I tweeted it out, but like, I played hoops with AJ down in in spring training on multiple occasions. He goes to the you know, he plays all over uh, down there uh, and he plays at, they have the LA fitness right there in Peoria. So I played hoops with him at that LA fitness, guarded him almost every time. Um, and then he actually randomly invited me to go to this one game they play in Scottsdale at five in the morning. And he was like, oh, I'm just not going to go to sleep. 
I'll just go. And I was like, you gotta be crazy. But I mean, I, I do think like Mariners fans would kill to be in the position that the, the Padres are in right now, that, that there is push for the future, that, you know, the future is sort of now and that, you know, um, postseason is, is there for the taking, especially since the Mariners haven't been in the postseason since 2001. Among all the relievers, we, uh, we got a ton of relievers from you. I don't really know why, but we did. And <laughs> Preller liked him so much. He had to go back in for a second trade. Taylor Williams, uh, Austin Adams and Dan, Dan uh, Altavia, which of those guys, you know, are we going to in San Diego going to be the most excited about? I think, well, Adams is the best one. Adams is the best one. He's coming back off of uh, torn ACL. So he hasn't actually pitched in a, a, in a MLB game this year, but he, he, he's pretty good. And he would have been their closer if healthy and all. So, I mean, like he has a legit, wipeout slider, uh, 95 mile per hour fastball. Um, you know, just, you know, there was some command issues early on in his career that kind of, um, kept him from maybe getting to where he was supposed to, but I think he's the best out of that group. Like Alta Villa can throw a hundred as well and, um, has a lot of talent, but he just hasn't been able to put it all together. Maybe that's just a change of scenery. You know, um, he gets he goes to arbitration eligible next year, which makes him a little more expensive. Uh, Taylor Williams was the Mariners closer. He had, I think, five or six saves, you know, 95 power slider, a little erratic in the zone. But again, it's a potential. But, you know, I didn't know that the bullpen for the Padres was a necessary add. But I think, you know, that's kind of the sweetener of it all. Like DePoto said that the. The Williams trade just came as a product of the trade that they'd made that like Williams was included in a lot of the talks. And then um, they just, you know, they couldn't, you know, they agreed on the other one. So then they switch it up and add it through him into the other one. Well, I think you're going to enjoy Andres Munoz when he comes back. I think you're going to really enjoy Taylor Trammell sitting him next to uh, Kalenic and Julio Rodriguez in the outfield for years to come. And, We'll be seeing you in 2023 for the Mariners Padres World Series. We'll be going yeah, for a better cup World series. That would be pretty interesting for me. We'll be going I mean, for a three-peat at the, by then. But you know. Yeah, you know, like for me, like San Diego is my favorite road trip. So as much, as long as the the Mariners continue to play their their natural rivals every year, it makes me happy. So like not being able to go this year was pretty brutal. But yeah, as long as they keep playing those guys, I'm I'm all for it. Ryan, appreciate the time. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Divish. Really producing good content. And I didn't know you were such a you know connected to the Padres and Preller and and some ball. Maybe we uh yeah, challenge you, challenge you to a game next time you're down here. It's pretty amusing. So I even played with some of the the Mariners uh, baseball ops guys. They have an outdoor hoop. Although the outdoor court at the Padres complex is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. It's a full NBA rim with an NBA three point line on like perfect concrete. Um, and so. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, what is interesting is, and so they always talked about the the Mariners baseball ops guys going to ch- challenge the Padres baseball ops guys, but I was like, look, AJ hires guys too that he knows he can play. He shows up at the <laughs> LA Fitness. He doesn't join his own team. He brings four guys with him, so he knows he gets a good team. And like Preston Mattingly and some of those guys can really play. And so it's kind of funny joke that way. And then like 
Corey Brock, who used to cover the Padres for MLB, yeah. is a good friend of mine. Yeah, I've known him forever. So, um, yeah, there's connection. And, like, you know, you share a complex and everything like that. It's always a little more interesting that way. Maybe next time we have you on, we'll get kind of a scattered report of that basketball game and some behind-the-scenes uh, details from Preller and stuff. That'll be fun. Sounds good, man. <laughs> Appreciate your time. Take care. All right. Take it easy. All right. That was Ryan Divish giving us all things on that Seattle Mariners trade or, or the two trades actually had two Preller had to go back in for seconds on Double the, in, dip. The, in the bullpen. Uh, really interesting. So that was Ryan Divish. Thanks to him for making some time. Let's bring in uh, last interview talking Cleveland Indians, talking Mike Clevenger, what the hell was going on talking to Paul Hoynes. All right. Join the show. We got Paul Hoynes, Indians beat writer from cleveland.com. Follow him at Hoynesy. I like that Twitter handle Hoynesy. <laughs> Um, do you write anywhere else? Is it just cleveland.com? Just cleveland.com. And my, uh, you know, my stuff is in the plain dealer as well. We're kind of, you know, we're, we're joined at the hip, the plain dealer and cleveland.com. So yeah, it's important that we learn a lot about Cleveland because it seems like the Indians and the Padres are sister teams now and that we're sister cities. We're, we have so many players, uh, (laughs) that we share or have shared in the past. It's a little way. It feels strange. This was a huge deal that just happened. The deal that the Padres and the Indians did over the weekend. Uh, what was your first reaction? Is the city mad? What, what's going on over in Cleveland? I think the first reaction is, uh, you know, the Indians um, are struggling offensively. They're winning. They're, you know, in first place in the AL Central, but they need help offensively. And this deal, while it came, while they got six players back, really doesn't help them the way uh, they you know, the fans thought they needed to help. You know, they don't get an outfielder. They don't get an established run producer. And I think that's what they were looking for in any deal involving uh, uh, Mike Clevenger. So you guys got a lot of pieces back. It kind of felt, from my perspective, I, I, I don't know, I haven't polled everyone in San Diego or around baseball, but it seems like it was a quantity for quality move. We get the best player back. It's Mike Clevenger. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. And you guys kind of got some of the pieces that didn't fit in with our team. And that's that's my feeling on it. Uh, what what was going on with the other teams around baseball? Were you hearing that there were a lot of other teams involved? Was it just the Padres? Because last I heard, the Padres were out. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody in the world was involved with, with wanted Clevenger. Uh, the Indians, however you know, had a specific goal in mind. They wanted to make a deal that would help them in the present and help them in the future. And I think this was, you know, and they didn't want to take on a lot of payroll because they're going to take a beating, you know, like every team with the pandemic. And uh, they couldn't take a whole lot of money back because uh, just they've lost, you know, they've taken a considerable financial hit. They've cut payroll for the last three years. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of people going out the door here at the end of the season. So, uh, you know, this was, uh, this was a, you know, a, a safe move, helped them a little bit this year and should help them, uh, you know, two, three, four years down the road. You got some young players that were are already on the major league roster, major league ready, controllable assets. And then you got some prospects too. What, as you learn more about the guys you're getting back, who are you kind of most anxious to see either maybe it's, Quantrill or Naylor who are going to contribute right away or some of the the guys that are going to come up through the system? Is there a guy that stands out to you? 
Yeah, you know, usually in a trade like this, there's one guy you can hang your hat on. And uh, I don't think there really is that guy. You know, I'm, I'm anxious to see uh, uh, Gabriel Arias, the, the shortstop. Mm -hmm. You know, they've been, they've been stockpiling shortstops for the last four or five years in anticipation of uh, losing Francisco Lindor. You guys have some good shortstops. I love your shortstops. Yeah, I mean, they've got, I think, in the top, they've got like 15 shortstops in their top uh, 30 prospects or something like that, or middle yeah. infielders. So, uh, you know, I think Arias fits into that, um, if I'm saying his right name, his last name. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, Arias, uh, Arias. I was in, I, you know, what, 17 home runs last year. So it looks like he's not just a, an off-field guy. He's got some pop. He's, he liked the size, what, six foot, 200 pounds, some. So it, it sounds like uh, he's going to be, he could handle the bat, if you know, as he progresses through the minor leagues. Uh, so, yeah, that's the guy I'm, I'm interested in. And uh, I'd like to see Naylor, too. Uh, you know, um, he's going to get a chance to play, it sounds like, in left field, or he's going to you know, take a regular turn in the outfield. And they certainly need uh, somebody that could add some offense. What was the deal with Clevenger? So this season, he famously got into trouble with the club, you know, breaking quarantine rules, going out. And I kind of, I, I was reading things about him and Plesak kind of, felt like they were alienating some of their teammates and he's a fairly young guy. He's not super young, but he made a mistake. It seemed like he owned up to it. What was the, what was the on the ground feeling? You're, you're closest to it. What were the players thinking about Clevenger was, did he have to move because I mean, how much of the trade had to do with him breaking these COVID rules and kind of distancing himself from the team? Oh, uh, you know, I think they had kind of amended the fence there. Um, you know, when he came back uh, last Wednesday and made that showcase start against the Twins, um, it seemed like everybody was in a, in a pretty good place with this. But the fact that, you know, on August 8th, he went out, you know, in Chicago, they went out to dinner, him and Plesak or whatever they did. They, and, uh, you know, Plesak got uh, pinched when he came back. MLB security got him when he came back to the hotel. Um uh, Clevenger never – it's still unclear what happened with Clevenger, how he got caught or if he turned himself in or what. But he elected – you know what? They they hired a car service uh, Sunday morning when uh, the Indians confronted Plesak and drove – and he drove back to Cleveland. He, you know, so they took him right out of the, the team environment. But Plesak never came forward, and he stayed with the team. They had a Sunday night ESPN game. He, had, he stayed with the team, you know, potentially exposing them to the virus and then flew back on the team charter with them. And that was the uh, crux of the problem. There was a, you know, uh, a breakdown in trust there yeah. because, you know, the Indians, as every team did, they formed that, uh, wrote that co code of conduct before the start of the season. And, and, and Clevenger was talking about it and said, you know, at the time, you know, they were working on the code of conduct said, if you can't trust the player off the field, how can you trust them between the white lines. Mm -hmm. So I think that line kind of hung in the, uh, in the, in the locker room. I don't know if it was totally forgiven, but you know, I think in the long run, they were going to trade Clevenger anyways. I think they were going to trade him at the end of the season because he could make upwards to maybe about $8 million in arbitration next year. And they, they weren't going to pay that. They couldn't pay that. I don't think in, in, you know, to meet the, you know, to offset the losses they've suffered this year. So he was gone one way or the other. 
but I think this incident kind of helped it along, you know, helped the process along. Okay. So the arbitration money at the end of the season was that big of a factor. They kind of were going to move in no matter what in this kind of, they got, they got the right deal, I guess they, you and the rest of, you know, the Cleveland Bays expect them to keep competing this year and in the, in the near future too, right? And the team expects to keep uh, competing there. It's a very good team. So why do you think not just hold them on the roster for the rest of the season and try to trade them in the off season? Yeah. You know, that's, that's a good question. And uh, we asked Chris Antonetti that the, uh, uh, you know, president of baseball operations yesterday. And he said, he really didn't answer it. You know, he kind of said, this is what we wanted to do. This was the deal we wanted to make. I don't know if he was inferring that they couldn't have made this kind of deal at the, after the season, but uh, so that's, that's still kind of an unanswered question. Why, why they wouldn't just wait until the end of the year to trade him. Okay. Well, appreciate all your insight. Uh, don't take up too much of your time, but Paul Hoynes, he's at on Twitter at Hoynesy, uh, beat writer at cleveland.com. Paul, thank you so much for your time. And in the near future, I imagine the Padres and Indians do another trade because that's what we love to do. <laughs> yeah, and we'll... the, the Indians know of the Padres farm system and vice versa better than they know their own. We'll call you about Lindor this offseason, okay? Yeah, yeah. you guys are going to love Clevenger. He's, he's a good dude. Glad um, to hear he's, he's got A-plus hair and mustache working for him. Yeah, he's, so. got the, he's got good quotes. He's kind of a free spirit. He's, uh, he's a good guy. He made one mistake, like you said. I, I, think, he's, I think he'll be fine. Glad to hear that. All right, Paul, thank you so much. Uh, take care, man. All righty. All right, that was Paul Hoynes. Go follow Divish and Hoynes both on Twitter. Read their stuff. They're, they're good dudes. Thanks uh, for coming on the show today. That's going to do it, Wade. Action-packed show, lots of trades, content overload on today's show. Had to do an early show this week, had two guests. So lots going on. Six trades. I mean, that's what happens when you have six trades. So your 2020 San Diego Padres, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get it. Thank you for listening. Please follow the show's Twitter account at Fire Farm Hands. And if you enjoy the show, subscribe on all your favorite platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Please leave your comments, questions, concerns, and your rating of the show on all platforms. You've been listening to the Believe in Padres Prospects Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. I am Ryan Hart. That was Wade. Talk to you next week. Welcome to the fam. Toward your destination. Though you may find from time to time. Let's get started with our first slide. Well, well, well. You blew it. Super hard. Complete buffoonery. It's hilarious and you deserve it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.